Hi, this is Representative Liz Olson. And this is Representative Jamie Long. And we are here for the second edition of the Minnesota Values Podcast. We were really excited to bring episode one to you last week and so pleased that we had such good feedback and so many listeners. And here we are uh, back with episode two. Yes, looking forward to a great podcast. We have with us today Representative Kelly Moeller from District 42A in Shoreview. So welcome to the Minnesota Values Podcast. Thanks so much. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about District 42A, where you're from? What, what What's your district like? Sure. So 42A is the northern suburbs. So I live in Shoreview, but my district is also Arden Hills, Moundsview, and a little bit of Spring Lake Park. Awesome. And you are a freshman. Right, that's right. Yes, but you come in with a lot of experience. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you've been doing up to the point of becoming a legislator? Sure. So I am a prosecutor, and for about 20 years, I've been either a prosecutor or a victim rights advocate, and I handle all levels of felony appeals for Hennepin County, but I've had a special emphasis on sexual assault cases. So that's really been um, the focus of my work over the last several years. And what we're here to talk about today is really relevant to that, and you bring that experience with, and so we look forward to diving in now on to some of the bills you're carrying. Sounds good. So we are going to start with House File 10, which is in our Minnesota Values Plan first 10 bills list, and so this is a, a sexual harassment bill, so tell us a little bit about House File 10. Yep, that's right. I'm really excited that this bill, House File 10, made it to the top 10 list of bills and that our leadership recognize how important this is. So this bill will um, really help victims of sexual harassment not only get their day in court, but also prevent sexual harassment from even happening right. in the workplaces. Um, really, the goal of this bill is to remove the standard that courts have created over the years that requires harassment to be severe or pervasive in order for victims to even bring a claim. Great. And so what Give me some examples. What are some situations that this bill is trying to address? Yeah, so we had, and I'll just back up too, in this bill, um, when the statute was written in the 80s, it didn't have the severe or pervasive language in it. It's something that the courts have sort of inserted into our language. So we want to take it back to the bill as it was originally intended by the legislature. And what we're seeing over the years is that things have to be so extreme in order for a victim to get his or her day in court for one of these claims. And we had a, a victim who testified at our hearing and talked about she worked at a restaurant and she was forced to serve um, these two men who were touching her inappropriately, saying inappropriate things to her, following her to her car, waiting for two hours in the restaurant until she started her shift and her managers made her continue to serve on serve them even when she said she was scared of them didn't want to serve them in fact the staff at the restaurant it start, started calling these men her stalkers hmm. um, and it got so bad and the the restaurant refused to do anything that she ended up getting a restraining order um, against these men in the restaurant still um, wouldn't tell the other staff about this restraining order. So she went finally went to an attorney to see if she had some sort of recourse. And, and her case was thrown out because it wasn't considered severe or pervasive enough. Wow. So, so even that didn't meet the current standard. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, yeah. you would think that something would have been done. And really, that's, that's all we're asking with this, this bill. We want not only victims to have justice, but we want employers to do something when a claim like this comes forward. Right. So sexual harassment was a bit of a hot topic in the last session, and 
was this a concept that was floating around then? So yeah, so this bill was brought by the Republican majority last session, um, and it passed the House with really broad bipartisan support, a nearly unanimous vote on the House floor, and our language is exactly the same this year as the language was um, last year, and we did pass committee this year with Congrats. unanimous support. Thank yeah. you. So you're, you're through committee. And uh, so what's the next step? That's right. So we're through committee, and the next step is a vote on the House floor. Okay. Exciting. Well, we'll, we'll stay tuned on that vote. Great. And, but this isn't the only work you're doing on this issue this session. Can you share a little bit more about other bills you're carrying related to this topic? Sure. Yep. I'm on the Public Safety and Criminal Justice Reform Committee, and we had um, Gender-Based Violence Week a couple of weeks ago, and we're hearing a lot of bills related to violence against women, um, specifically some sexual assault bills. And I'm really proud to author two of those bills. One of those bills would require the Peace Officer Standard and Training Board to send their mo model policy to local law enforcement agencies. And local law enforcement agencies would then either have to adopt that or a similar policy. And that's really getting at that Deny Justice series that the Star Tribune printed all of those stories about uh, many survivors who weren't getting their cases investigated. So we really want to have um, a victim-centered response and trauma-informed response to survivors who come forward to police. So that's one of the bills. And then one of the other bills has to do with the creation of a working group for looking at redrafting the criminal sexual conduct statutes, because that's another piece that was highlighted in that series. How many cases, even if they do get reported, which it's not a lot, but even if they do get reported and get investigated and sent to prosecution, don't end up either being prosecuted or, or having a conviction. And this is something, I mean, obviously you're, you represent your district, but this is something that really impacts all of Minnesota. So can you just speak to, you know, if someone's listening, you know, in a different part of the state, why this legislation really is important for everybody in our community? Right. I mean, it really is, you know, I think with the Me Too movement highlighted how many, whether it's sexual assault or sexual harassment, how many survivors there are. And I know the Minnesota Coalition Against Sexual Assault says something like, we all know someone. Um, and that's really you know, what prompted me to get involved in this work. Actually, when I was in law school, I had, or when I was in college, I had too many friends who told me they were survivors of assault. And it, it's just not getting any better after all these years. And it is an issue not only for justice for survivors, but for the safety of our community. We want to hold offenders accountable. And we know that if we don't do that, then some of these offenders are going to be repeating these acts against other survivors. And I, I appreciate the perspective you bring and the Minnesota values and why we have the Minnesota values plan and we have these uh, bills on the agendas because we know Minnesotans care about one another. And so every week we're going to bring a different bill to the table and they all have kind of a variety. We'll be talking about broadband and we're talking about sexual harassment today. But can you speak to just how this really represents the value of caring for each other as Minnesotans? Yeah, I think... Um I think one of the things that has been, you know, unique maybe about Minnesota are the number of great survivor groups we have here. And as we're talking about these cases, the number of survivors who have come forward to share their story, not only for 
the Deny Justice series, but they're doing that because some of them know they're never going to see justice in their case. The statute of limitations has passed, um, or for whatever reason they're not, but they're doing that because they care about the survivor behind them. And and that's true for the, the sexual harassment victim who testified in our committee. Her case is done, and our law, even if we change the statute, won't impact her. But she's there to tell her story because she cares about the next person and wants to make sure that the same thing doesn't happen to the next person. So I have the privilege of being on Public Safety and Criminal Justice Committee with you, and this has been great to see your advocacy in this, and you're really a rock star on the committee. The thing that struck me is, you know, you've been working on this a long time. I know a lot of the advocates have been working on it a long time, but it feels like there are a lot of people who right now is when they want to tell their story. And we've had a lot, we had a lot of people come before the committee and tell very personal stories about sexual harassment and sexual assault. You know, what is it about about the moment? Or have you seen that change in the time that you've been working on the issue? Yes, I, ha I really have seen that change. And I don't know if it's the moment we're in politically, you know, not only with the Me Too movement, but um, for me personally, having a president who made the comments that he made um, and then was elected. And we, we all heard those comments on the on the tape. I mean, it really prompted me into activism. And I've heard from a lot of other people that that really was a defining moment for them in um, wanting to do something about these issues that for too long have just been brushed under the rug. Right. So it's not like these issues haven't been happening, but now it's feeling like we have a lot of visibility on, on them and people are realizing that sexual harassment is still a problem, right, in our modern society. Right. Yep, that's right. And then we also recognize that people from marginalized community, people of color, I mean, there's a whole other um, impact on those communities for these crimes, too, that I'm really happy to be working with some other groups who are um, very interested in bringing those issues, the intersectionality of, of um, race and gender, into this discussion also. And Representative Long and I both have small small children, both have girls. Right. And so, I mean, it's great to see you being such a champion on this. How can you imagine, you know, if we were able to pass these these bills you're working on, I mean, what does that mean for the future of, of our young kids and others throughout the state? Um, that's a great question. And I'll just say, too, I have two boys, and they're a little bit older, high school, they're teenagers, and we talk, we've talked a lot about these issues. You know, it's so important for us to not only be, we want to make sure that our girls are safe and all our children are safe from sexual harassment and sexual assault, but we also want to be teaching our boys um, how to be respectful and, and how to make sure that these things don't happen and speak out for those who do. That's great, and we appreciate just the work you're doing on all of this. So, um, is there anything that you see on the horizon that would be um, that you want our listeners to maybe engage in a call to action or anything that would be helpful as we move as we move this along this session? Yeah, definitely. So, one thing that um, I've really appreciated about Chair Mariani and our Public Safety and Criminal Justice Reform Committee is he's really talking about um, community community-centered public safety. And as part of that, we have really encouraged people to come forward to tell us how the laws that we're writing are impacting them. And so in the context of these sexual assault cases, um, if victim survivors want to come and tell their stories to us, that's helpful to us because we know what's where the gaps are in the law and what we can do to try to make things better for the next group. Thank you for your really incredible work on this, and I know you're 
bringing the voices of a lot of people with you when you're doing the work up here at the Capitol. Thank you so much. So before we let you go, we're going to be uh, asking you for your fun fact moment. So we're going to uh, try to help our listeners understand a little bit about some of the legislators we're having on as guests. So is there something about you that people might not know or that might be a, a fun fact? So I really like to dance, um, and for I did a we did a flash mob for one of the parades we were in this summer, and that was a lot of fun. But I was in high school, I danced in the St. Patrick's Day parade in Dublin. So that's maybe a fun fact people that's wouldn't know, but people shouldn't ask me to dance for them because I won't do that. <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> that would have been we'd have brought the fun to the to the caucus if we'd have had that. Um, well, we really appreciate that you could be here today and could share with us about the bills you're working on and be a part of realizing a community where everybody cares for one another. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this second episode of the Minnesota Values Podcast, and we'll be coming back to you real soon with episode number three. Yes, super excited. And one of these times, uh, Representative Long, I'm going to ask to hear your loon call. All right, I'll work on it just as soon as we get uh, Representative Kelly Muller to dance for us.